Hopefully your insurance cards are all up to date because it's time once again for your favorite quarterly podcast. The podcast that only comes four times a year. It's episode three of the seasonal anime checkup. Once again, I am your host, Jared, and we're going to go over, you know, summer anime. We're going to look ahead to fall anime. Basically, we're going to look over the seasons of anime. And this time around, we're going to be joined, in a sense, by a couple of guests that are going to give some insight on what they thought of summer anime. We'll be joined by my co-host, or it's not my co-host, but the co-host of the other one of the other podcasts here on our network, Mark Out When It's Dark Out. We'll be joined by Chris. He'll give us some thoughts on a couple of shows he watched, then a couple like one show that we both watched, I believe. And then I went to Tumblr. Yes, that fancy social network networking site that everybody loves couldn't tell that was sarcastic one person i mutually follow and they follow me is tumblr user user i can't speak today for some reason shorty dash cake i know her say she's going to give some insight on some of the shows she watched as well so first off we're actually going to go straight to chris where he's going to tell me about also uh before warns i'm going to butcher probably like half the pronunciations on like all these titles names etc etc and Akame Ga Kill, so let's go straight to that now. Joining me at this time and making his first ever appearance on the seasonal anime checkup and giving yourself the triple crown in far, as far as podcasts on our network goes, Chris, welcome to seasonal anime checkup. Thank you. It feels great to hold this prestigious triple crown of the podcast. I mean, you're just like me now where you've just shown up on every single podcast essentially ourselves out man uh, basically yeah basically we're do we're all we're the ones doing the hard work around here yes busting our arses yes. yeah yeah true yeah so you're here to talk about some animes you watched there's one that we both watched but two of them i didn't watch so you're going to explain them to me all right you get the fun duty of telling me what these uh these shows are about i'll attempt i'll attempt the best way i can okay I guess I'll talk about Akami Ga Kill. At least maybe I'm pronouncing that right. I, yeah, good question. Akami Ga Kill? Who knows? Anyways, great anime so far. It's on, I believe, I'm about to start the ninth episode of the first season. Not even completely done with it. Oh, no. No, it's not even finished yet. It's still going. It's a good show. It's about this this guy, basically, or well, this kid. I guess they're always kids. Uh, arrives in the imperial capital and like his whole goal is to basically he wants to earn money for his village and he wants them to be better off and he has two friends that come along with him and he basically gets like stranded in the streets sum this up a family well basically this little girl who's like really wealthy royalty whatever takes him in and from there, basically, he meets this group called the Night Raid. I don't want to give away too much. And you can go, uh, you can go in the spoiler talk if you want. I mean, this isn't really a spoiler-free podcast. Okay. Well, the the little girl and her family end up being people that take in people like him, like uh, you know, impoverished, you know, like village people and everything. Take them in and then they torture them and kill them and I don't know. I think eat them or something like that. Like really messed up and these this group called night raid are basically there to destroy the capital the city the corrupt government basically like you know like the robin hood so for the for everybody else and so he joins the night raid and this anime is all based on them taking out the the wicked evil government jared 
the wicked evil government. Sounds like a plot point you could, you know, put here in the good old United States of America, and it would be like a blockbuster movie. Yeah, definitely. I thought I, th- I thought about that. Like that totally makes makes sense for a movie or a TV show or something. Rising up against the government. So you obviously haven't like watched all of the episodes that are available right now, but do you think it's it's good for what you've seen so far? Yes, I I love it. The first episode I was kind of iffy, as I am with a lot of stuff. I guess I guess everybody kind of is, but it has everything. It has comedy in it. It has gore. It's entertaining to like you know if you love the fighting sequences with swords and weapons and shit. Um, it's pretty graphic. And it, it tugs at your uh, tugs at your little feeler strings. So that's all we. That's what we always want is to tug at our feeler strings. Our feeler strings. Um, the last episode, episode eight, that I watched did almost have me shed a tear. So eight episodes in, I was ready to shed a tear. I actually let me rewind. I think episode six, I did cry. Episode five or six, it's very depressing. You, yeah. you know, if, you know, if it's going to make you shed a tear, it's probably doing something right. If I'm shedding a tear over an anime, it must mean it's great, so go watch it. Unless you're just, like, really mad at it and you're just really sad. <laughs> yeah, true. All right, okay. so that's going to do it for this segment, and you'll be joining us in a little bit to talk about Glass Slip, so look forward to that. Ooh, yeah. And we're back. Well, hopefully that was a good segment, because I'm recording this before I actually do those segments with Chris. So they could all just be, you know, who knows, let's... I'm just going to hope they're good. So next up, we're going to talk about Aoharu Ride or Blue Spring Ride. I think that was the English title that they used on Crunchyroll. I'm going to share what Haley had to say about this. I got notes in like a script here. It's very professional compared to like every other podcast I ever do. That's not what she said, by the way. Quote, Aoharu Ride. That sounds like a tongue twister. Aoharu Ride. Whatever. Was one I dropped. They had a kick-butt premise and two really interesting main characters, but this plot sort of petered out after the obnoxious best friend character started a stupid love triangle. I can kind of agree and see where you would drop this show at, especially, you know, two-thirds of the way through when it was like, we're going to build up these two main characters, we're going to build the, the characters of Ko and Futaba, I would believe how you pronounce her name, and we're going to, like, essentially push their relationship towards the forefront, and then Futaba's going to befriend Yuri and she's going to basically help her change herself and then kind of it's going to introduce a love triangle which I'm really a big fan of like these really dumb lovey-dovey type shows but then they all go with these the prototypical cliche let's insert a love triangle storyline here so that happened and that was kind of a that kind of brought the show down, I think, in my opinion as well. And especially during, I want to say, episode 8 or 9, one of the main focal points was that Ko goes off into this like shady part of town and hangs out with these shady people. And Futaba did not like that. So she pretty much confronts him about it, and they kind of go off to like this riverbank to talk about it. And then Ko basically does... like the, He basically almost like fake assaults her to show her like what it would be like if someone assaulted her i was like that's kind of up that's totally not cool so that really kind of soured me on the show as well and then they kind of like really tried to push the love triangle thing in like the next episode but it was more like uh ko's mother died and he has a shrine for her like a not a shrine but like a kind of a special place in his home for her and they really kind of pushed that the last few episodes especially it was like 
This is why he's so standoffish towards everyone, why he doesn't really want to care about anything. Because, like, his mother was a big deal to him. Like, he had to go off and live with her after, I guess, the parents divorced. And basically watching her, like, frail, like get really frail and just die really messed with him and just completely messed with, like, his entire core being. So, I want to say the show... It finished better than you know the the mid season like lag or it wasn't really lag it was kind of just like uh, you're going really cliche with a lot of these plot points here but it ended stronger than I was anticipating to say the least but I was really banking on that show being probably I guess one of the better shows of the season but then it was like <laughs> kind of petered out but still start it still finished strong up next I'm gonna talk about Baby Steps tennis anime which was the second half of Sports, 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 Sports Sunday. Sports Sunday was f***ing amazing for the past, like, two seasons where we had Haikyuu and Baby Steps. But Baby Steps was the tennis anime, which started back in spring season. Yeah, that would be right, cause spring is before summer. Basically, it followed the the story of Maro Eichiro, who was, like, this super smart student who decides to start playing tennis... And then just, you know, that's the way the story goes, essentially. The first half of the season, it's ki- it kind of drags a lot. It's like really slow pace to start off with. And especially just, this is what happened during the spring season. It was just, a lot of people probably would have dropped it halfway through like episode five or six because it was really slow paced. Not a lot was happening, especially for a sports anime. But then the back half of the season, I would say, you know, what happened during the summer was... It really made up for the spring portion of that. More action, you had more matches, essentially, and you had more drama. Like, you got to see the blossoming relationship between Maro and Natsu, which it's a fun relationship to watch because they're both really awkward, and I don't think they both really know what they're doing, but it's just fun to see, like, how they interact with each other, and yeah. Also, the way that season ended, I was like, are they just going to keep going? Like, is this really the season's finale? Because they just, like, they kept on, like, making it a super open-ending, like, open-ended, excuse me. And even, like, the preview for, like, the final episode was like, Amaro and Natsu are going on a date, and uh, stuff's going to happen. It was like, this does not seem like a season's finale to me. So, it really wasn't like they left it on a cliffhanger or anything. It was like, this is stuff that's going to happen. And then at the very end, they're like, oh, hey, season two, spring 2015. And I was like, yes, give me more tennis anime. I think a big reason, though, that, like, I really, like, drifted towards this anime a lot is because I played tennis for a big chunk of my life since, like, basically from, like, when I was five years old up to when I was a freshman in high school. So I've I've played a lot of tennis in my life, and a lot of the stuff that they show in this show, that's a really weird sentence to say, but a lot of the stuff they, they harp on, especially, like, during, like, practice and drills and stuff like that, I'm like, I've done a lot of that sort of stuff, so I, I know exactly, like what they're doing, why they're doing it. But I'm really happy that's coming back for uh, season two in spring. It's got to have more tennis. More tennis, more fun. Up next, we're going to talk about Tumblr's fam- favorite anime of 2014 summer and probably summer 2013 as well. Swimming anime, Free Eternal Summer. Let's go to Haley and see what she had to say about that. Quote, The other show that really impressed me this season was Free Eternal Summer. I'm assuming the season wrapped up the free franchise, and it was wrapped up beautifully. That's, that wasn't all caps, by the way. Skillful pacing, incredible character development, and a really touching ending made this one of the best shows I've seen in a while. Tears were shed. End quote. 
So I never watched the first season of this, obviously. Well, maybe not obviously, but if you listen to the, the previous episode of the season of Anime Checkup, I kind of basically ran down how the, the season went from, like, went according to me by viewing it through Tumblr, which basically I got, like, screen caps and gifts of that entire show just, like, thrown at me all of last summer. But I kind of had a gist of, like, what exactly happened that first season. So it wasn't, like, going into the season be like, uh, who are these guys? Uh, why are they swimming? what's going on help so it definitely helped i guess understand things a little bit better than maybe just going in blind but i actually really enjoy the show even though it's it's less sports anime than like probably most sports animes considering it's it's basically eye candy for for the ladies it's, i mean most anime is like let's do all this fan service for guys and yeah boobs everywhere so there you go, ladies. You get to see half-naked dudes, like, all throughout this show. But one thing I really criticized about this show, especially watching throughout, was the character of Haru. Which, I hated this character throughout the entire run of the season. Basically, up to the season finale, I was like, this guy is essentially, he just he's, like, super brooding for the sake of being brooding. He's squandering opportunities just because, oh no, I don't know what I want to do, but I've got all this talent. And coming from someone who's been in like the sports world, I've seen people like that, that basically just like, who are super talented, but squander like the opportunities they're given. And it just me the off. And I just hate people who are like, who are just super talented, but then they're just like, oh, I just don't want to do this. Uh, whatever. I don't care. It's, it's just ridiculous, and that was kind of a major plot point in this season, especially because they wanted to they wanted to help Haru find a dream, essentially, of, like, why he wanted to swim, because essentially, I guess, throughout the first season, he was like, I just, I like being in the water, I like to swim, That's, that was basically it, so a good chunk of, like, the last half of the season was him being, like, super super what is the word I'm looking for, I guess he was, just, he was really brooding, essentially, and getting into fights with like his friends and stuff over this because he didn't think they understood and all that and then Ren takes him to Australia which is where he spent I guess a big chunk of his youth learning to swim professionally and all that sort of stuff which listening to people speak English in a Japanese anime was a weird experience especially since it was like they got actual Australians to do voice acting for the show in Japanese well they didn't speak in Japanese but for show that's that's in Japanese to have like to to, to pe get people to speak the native language of Australia, which is English, obviously, and get actual Australians to do with it. It just seems crazy to me. Most of the time, you hearing if you hear English in Japanese anime, it's like you can tell it's, it's the it's like non-native English speakers speaking it essentially because it sounds really disjointed. And another show we're going to talk about later is victim of that. But I thought it was just a really cool touch to add to the, like the authenticity of it and to do that but basically the australia plot point there was to like show haru basically it was to show haru like or at least help him f push him forward towards finding this dream and basically he finds it and he wants to go swim competitively finally and then they go do their relay in the season's finale and they succeed and everything's all happy and it's a really good way to wrap up i guess like Haley said it's like a really good way to wrap up this franchise and it definitely felt like a, a like a series finale where it's like, well, this person did this, this person went off and did this, this person went off and did this, and 
so on and so forth. So highly doubt there's going to be a season for season. I almost said a season free. Wow. <laughs> a season three of free. That's almost a tongue twister in and of itself. But, you know, you never know. There could be, but I don't really know what else they could do with this show in a third season. If anything's going to get a season three, Kyoto Animation, season three of K-On, do it. Up next, let's talk about possibly my favorite show of the season, Gekkon Sojo Nozaki-kun. Let's see what Haley had to say about it. My standout favorite from the summer season was definitely Gekkon Sojo Nozaki-kun. It was a really, uh, it was a really refreshing spin on the shoujo genre, sort of reminiscent to Oran High School Host Club. Characters were a strong point in this show. Even the side characters were well developed and likable. A heck ton of ships too. So many ships. Nozaki Sakura for life, and life is spelled with a Y there. So this show was essentially weird to me at first, because going into it, I figured it was going to be like you know, a rom com. Essentially, if you want to, like, westernize genre it, and it kind of starts off that way, but then every, like, every scenario that you expect to go one way goes in a completely opposite direction, and it's just, it's also genuinely funny as well, which I think a lot of animes try to be really funny, but usually if they're using humor, it's, like, it's all, like, perverted humor or stuff like that, but this is, like, it's actual, like, good humor, but not for the sake of, like, being like raunchy or adult or anything it's like this stuff's actually just it's just good comedy and like Ailey said a lot of the side characters are really well developed and they they don't fit like the typical i guess you would say like the, the typical trope that some characters would like like look, look at the uh, the side character of kashima who is the popular female but not popular with the guys she's popular with like all the ladies so yeah a lot of the side characters are just super well developed and they all interact well with each other, even the main characters. And each of them kind of have, like, instead of just being there just to, for the sake of being there, or just, like, being there for the sake of, like, comedy or some random trope or whatever, they all have meaningful reasons to be, or, like, meaningful relationships with each each of the main characters, and you understand, like, why they're friends and all this. So if I had to make a recommendation of one show... Or at least like one or two shows to watch from summer season. This would be a this would be a definite bet of like go watch the show, go enjoy it. You will laugh a lot, you will induce feelings, and you'll have you overall you'll have a great time with it. Up next, we're gonna go back to Chris and me, Chris and me, as we talk about Glass Slip, which was one of these shows that I was just really confused about through the entire entire run, even through the season finale. I'm just like. Do I understand what happened? So uh, we're going to talk about that, and we'll be back with more shows. Joining me once again is Chris, and we are going to now talk about Glass Lip, which was a 12-episode run this season. And for all 12 episodes of this show, for the most part, I was like, after each episode, I'd be like, what's going on with this show? I'm still, yeah. I'm very confused. <laughs> Total confusion. But still, like, still, like, sitting there, hanging on, and like, I, I, I guess i need to i need to watch the next episode yeah 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 so like the, the premise of the show was essentially let's see toko is with her friends at like at the the summer festival essentially she's watching fireworks and then she sees these like fragments glimmering or something like that and she meets kakiro the like mm. the new transfer student comes in he's like yo you see these fragments of the future too <laughs> i could tell you about them yes 
And then as the show goes on, he's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. What the I don't know what the hell with these, any, any of this. Right. That was what that, I think that part confused me the most. Like, yeah, that's easily the most confusing part of the show. Like you, you, you start out thinking, oh, this guy has the answers. He's been searching for her. And like, I don't know. He kind of turns into not a wimp, but just something different than what he originally was in the first episode at least yeah you think of it like the first episode it's gonna be like this huge supernatural-esque mm-hmm. show where like they're gonna like be seeing like the future in every episode and like crazy stuff's gonna happen but that like never happens right yeah it was f- confusing what you get out of this show is like a show about friends who at first don't want to end up in relationships with each other who end up with relationships with each other and just a really down to earth and kind of slice of life is show with romantic yeah. elements involved. And then that like random subplot just like lingering in the background. Yeah, it's like and that was another thing that they all like decided and they even like called one another to let each other know, hey, that whole ban we had on dating each other. Yeah, we lifted that. And then yeah. that 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 was just kind of weird to me. And then that did add some drama into the the group. Um, I don't know. It was just, it's like yeah, it really is like a slice of life. You're right. It, it's something to take a breather from from a lot of the animes that I watch, at least that have me just constantly like fucking upset or sad or you know something epic. And this just kind of like mellows you out and it's enjoyable. I. I love it. Yeah. I, they kind of try to explain the whole, like, Fragments of the Future stuff in the penultimate episode when Toko, like, kind of goes off into her own world when she's listened to Kakiro's mom play the piano. And she, like, she imagines the same, like, world, essentially, but she's the new, the new kid in town, essentially. Yeah. And, like, everyone else doesn't give her the time of day or anything. And she kind of understands the, what, what did he call it? The unexpected loneliness? Yeah, that he feels at times, so I guess, like, I, even still, I'm, like, really confused on, like, how to explain all of this, mm-hmm. but I guess, like, that episode kind of made the whole show make a little bit more sense. Kind of. And then, like, the final episode, they're, like, the whole thing is, like, Kakiro's, like, I don't know if I'm gonna move away or not with my mom and all this stuff, and then I really like that ending because... When I when I write stuff, I usually do like really dumb cliffhangers like that to finish off stories just to people off. Yeah. And I know that that the way that show ended really worked because I was off and I was like, what did they show if he was there or not? Right. They're sons of bitches. Yep. So, yeah, that was a it was a really weird show, but yet still, I would say, really entertaining and interesting, even though you're going to go throughout the entire bit of it being like. What's going on? Help? So is someone going to explain anything that's going on in this show? But not really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to be one of those people that can care about the characters to want to continue this show because there's nothing like there's nothing. I don't know. I I I, can't, I, I would rather use a different word than epic because it's it's a good story. But there's nothing that's gonna like hook you and keep you in. It's just like it's just a very character driven show instead of yeah, being like yeah. focused supremely on being like a fantasy or action-driven Violet story or something like that, yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I highly doubt there would be a season two of this, just because, I don't know, it was 
it seemed very self-contained within the story and it didn't seem like they were going like they're teasing towards continuing it or not but right it was fun for 12 episodes at least definitely all right so we're gonna go back to me talking about other shows and then you'll be back with your final segment in later half of the show and welcome back it's just me now I know you're probably disappointed, but that's the way it is. So up next, we're going to talk about the first half of Sports, 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 Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Haikyuu, a.k.a. the volleyball anime. I believe I said last time we did a seasonal anime checkup that I was really, I don't know, how would I describe this? Basically, I was not going to watch a show when it, when it first came during the spring season. I was just going to write it off. I didn't think it was going to be any good. I don't know if that was just like me being giving, having weird prejudices, prejudices, if I can say that word correctly, towards like volleyball, maybe thinking like it's a male volleyball show. That just seems weird. Like maybe like assigning weird gender roles to sports, which is, it's really stupid on my part. And I apologize for that. But eventually I just like, I went on a whim, I went on a, a whim. Yeah, I think that's how you say that. And I watched the first episode, and I was just like, this is really good. And the first half, basically through spring season, was really good. But the, the second half of this show, even better. All around, even better. That's all I can say. If you haven't watched Haikyuu, volleyball anime, very sports anime, and it's just really, really good. What all can I say about this show? You get really great drama from the matches. There's, there's quite a few matches. I mean, you get tournament action at the last half of the show. You get to see the team come together around the first years who are, like, super good. And they bring this team that was basically on the brink of mediocrity and just, like, help rise them up to being, like, this team that has a genuine shot of going really far in the tournament. You also get to see them, like, find a coach all sorts of stuff, like wacky sports camp hijinks, fun relationships between like the different years of members and all that sort of stuff. It's one of the better sports animes I think I've seen, which I guess I haven't really seen many since getting back into anime like a couple years back, but if there's a formula to follow, I think this would be the formula to follow. It's just Haikyuu is a fantastic show and really, really bummed me out at the very end when there wasn't like, hey, Come join us uh, next year for season two. Especially with how open-ended they make that finale. Because they're, I mean, they're like... Basically with the way they open, they leave it open-ended where the third years are coming back for the spring season. They're not going to leave. And everyone's like super excited. They start training again. And then the show ends. Which is a, sucked, essentially. Not to say like, oh man, the way the show ended, it sucked. It was just like, we're not getting a season two out of this. That, that just really sucks. So, yeah, definitely watch Haikyuu as well. Back to back, like, <laughs> hey, you should watch this. You should watch this as well. I've got to flip pages now. Having a script is kind of weird, especially for a podcast like this. But up next, we're going to talk about Love Stage, which is a show I did not watch. And I basically have no idea what happens in the show at all. But Haley made some remarks about it. So we're going to go straight to her and her quote. Which is like the last thing she talked about, so it's going to seem a little weird out of context and put in like right, randomly right here. But here's what she had to say. And, that's like and with like three A's. 
A Marion may or may not have accidentally stumbled upon half a season of Love Stage, and totally by mistake watched that half season, and whoops, it was kind of hilarious. I'm pretty ashamed, but I want to be totally honest, and I definitely watched it. So I think this was like one of the one of the two boys love animes that was out in summer 2014. I say boys love because I don't know how to pronounce the other word for it, which is the easier word for it because it's like four letters. But yeah, that's all I know about it. I guess it was funny. Moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about probably one of the heavy hitters for myself personally and probably some of you as well. Let's talk about Persona 4 The Golden, the animation. The anime adaptation of the remake of Persona 4. That's that's not complicated or anything. So, I've got quite a few things to say about this show. Also, I have, like, on each show, like, characters just to remind myself, like, what, like who's who in the, in the show or what's their names and everything. On here, I just put characters, you know, which, yeah. I spent a lot of time with Persona 4 in general, like, I played the remake, Persona 4 Golden, played the fighting anime, or fighting game, watched the first anime run, playing the fighting game, the second fighting game now, I've actually had that for like a month before it came out here in the States, and then watched the show. So a lot of people really didn't understand how the show was going to be structured initially, because we knew it was going to be like... It was going to be an anime adaptation of the remake of Persona 4, Persona 4 Golden, and going to add in Marie and all the sort of stuff that Golden adds in. So the first episode comes, and essentially it kind of runs the way the first episode, the first anime runs, in that you see Persona 4 main character, Yunaro Kami, come in, except this time it kind of runs with the, the way Persona 4 Golden starts where he runs into marie at first and she's like here you drop this and then they go on their way and blah 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 so you still get the like the the weird exposition of him coming to yaso gami high almost forgot the name of the school there introducing himself they kind of like they just skip over like introducing the other characters because they basically assume if you're watching this you know basically everything you know the entire story so if you're going into this like the first time and be like i wonder what this percent of four stuff is about you're not going to get any of that because this is basically the hardcore version of the first anime and just like here's all this fan service we're going to give you if you understand it but if you don't well tough shit. so he goes into tv obviously you meet the first batch of shadows where you get your persona and all that stuff except unlike the first anime or even like your first time playing through the game you encounter like a thousand shadows which definitely doesn't happen and then izanagi just like wipes them clean in like a matter of a couple of minutes and then uses myriad of truths which is obviously not a skill you have at the very beginning of the game and it kind of sets the tone of being like hey this is basically new game plus and we're gonna just kind of treat it as that so the, the basically the whole story of the show was kind of split into two, where it was like, we're going to do the Marie Social Link first, and then we'll do the Adachi Social Link, and then essentially after that we'll do the January to May? I want to say that's when the game ends. Basically all that sort of stuff they added in after, or in the remake. So the first half is, it's, the way they kind of structure the entire show, though, is it's disjointed, especially because you're doing a lot of time jumps. So, like, you go from the first episode to the second episode when... Uh, that might... Oh, let's see. So basically, the first episode is, like, introducing 
or basically the introduction to the the anime and the game basically and then you go to the second episode where is the 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 uh, up close and personal plan from yosuke where he's like let's go get some scooters except that takes place in like a couple of months after the game starts so it's a little weird and then like you see kanji all of a sudden he's like hey senpai and like they don't introduce him all you're like what when did this guy come in when did you get saved then like the, the third episode is like the beach episode which that's during the summer that's still a couple of months after the the scooter incident in okina city so a lot of time jumps but basically they were just kind of like we're going to do this section of Marie Social Link, this section of Marie Social Link, this section of Marie Social Link, all in order, and just get it out all the other way. So that leads to the second half of the show where they do the Adachi storyline, which I think they did pretty well. Except I don't, I didn't like how at the or like the end of the show basically they kind of like just skip out, skip over some of the stuff he kind of adds in, quote unquote, at the very very end of the game. Basically, when you're wrapping up, like, all your social links and that sort of stuff. But I thought the way they handled that story or that social link especially because it's a crazy social link in the game. And they handled it, handled it very well, I think, in this in the show. And then, basically, after that, you get the ski trip, the Valentine's Day sort of stuff, and then Marie's Dungeon when you're on the ski trip, which seemed very weird the way they handled some of the some of those last few episodes especially because in the game around january especially like right after new year's margaret calls you on your cell phone and is like hey marie went missing i'm trying to find her i'll keep you updated on this uh don't really worry about it right now but if i find something i'll let you know in the show they basically they kind of rectify or like retcon that and then try to use it as a way that like Marie just randomly disappears from everyone's memories. She disappears from, like, pictures they took over the years. And I was like, that just seems kind of hokey. I like the way they did it in the game a lot better. And especially it was, like, you still have Margaret coming through the TV in the the cabin during the ski trip when you get stranded and pulling you through the TV. But she only meets you. You don't, like, bring the entire investigation team with you to meet her. And then... They do kind of go ballsy with, like, making a game over scenario in the penultimate episode, I want to say. Maybe not. Basically, the episode before the penultimate episode, I want to say they do the game over section. And the next, the penultimate episode they do, they kind of like, oh, uh, he reloaded and <laughs> he beats the boss. Way to go. Also, you do get to see everyone, like, get their super duper upgraded uh, personas. Not the ones, like, once you max out a social link, they get their upgraded ones, but, like, the ones... If you played the... the If you played Golden, you get to upgrade someone's persona again. Basically, if you've, if you've maxed out their social link, you get to, like, talk to them during January, and they'll upgrade their, their persona again. So you got to see all those. You got to see Izanagi go to Izanagi no Okami, which seemed weird that he would upgrade right before the Izanami fight, but, eh, what do you do? I mean, and technically in the game, you can kind of do that before that fight anyway, so. It was just, like, I, I really liked that. That was a neat touch. And then you had a redux of the Isanami fight, which I didn't really like, basically, because they, they made the focal point more on the Marie social link than any of the other social links. So it was basically just her bringing you out of, like, out of the, I guess, the fog and making you see the truth and all that. Unlike the actual game where it's like you get to see all of your social links and they help you give you the strength to use myriad of truths. And then they kept the they basically kept the 
the full epilogue from Persona 4 Golden in there at the very end, which it's a good touch. I was kind of hoping that you'd get like some more stuff out of that, but eh, what can you do? So it's really hard to recommend this show. I would say basically I would say if you've watched it, if you've watched the first anime, you know what Persona 4 is about. Just watch it. It's really just a big, huge thing of fan service for like 12 episodes. If you don't know what Persona 4 is about, you should probably either go play the game, which is amazing. Probably one of the best games I've ever played. Go watch the first anime or just like read up about it and then you could go and watch this. But that last option is probably not the best option for this. So coming from that, we next have re semicolon underscore Hamatora, which I think I explained last time that I watched Hamatora and kind of like basically marathon the last half of that anime and or the last half of it that I didn't watch from winter, I want to say. Yeah, that was a winter 2013-2014 show. And the way that show went, I thought it was really fun. Basically, I think like what how I compared it to is like it's a crime drama, crime drama, if I can use words correctly. And if you mix it with like having powers like from Darker Than Black. This is the sequel to that anime, basically a continuation of the first season where the first season ends on a cliffhanger where Art kills Nice, and then in the first episode, they're like, ah, he's fine, whatever. They spend, like, 20 minutes juxta- or like using that as, like, like a big, like, memorial thing and all this sort of stuff, and then he just comes in, and he's like, ah, I'm fine, whatever. And then that should have really been a sign, of, like, to set the stage for that entire season because, man, uh, it was just a really disappointing season, just, just from the get-go. Just the way they did story beats, I just didn't like a lot of it. The way it was like, Art's like, I'm just bad now. I'm going to kill everybody. What's up? I'm going to steal your uh, your minimums and then use them for myself because I don't have one. And then I'm going to lead this this band of rogue minimum holders and then shockingly turn on them at the very last minute and then tell you all that I'm doing this because I thought my brother wanted me to kill or kill everyone. I don't know. It seemed they kind of rushed everything at the very end too. It was like, oh, we kind of have to make this exposition really quick and uh oh shit we gotta do it really quick wrap it up wrap it up wrap it up and yeah just didn't really like it and especially the fact that like art's minimum ended up being like oh he can't die basically no one can die we're too cowardly to take chances and kill off our characters basically what it seemed like so that was a bummer was really looking forward to seeing like the second season of that and hoping it was just going to continue off the first season just be a rocket show and take crazy dares like just killing off the main character like they I thought they were going to do in the first season and nope we're not gonna do that so I have Sailor Moon Crystal on here which it's kind of weird to talk about because it's going to be an ongoing show it, it goes like every two weeks so there's only like six episodes in so basically it's it's redone Sailor Moon more towards the manga than the for the original anime so there's less filler basically they're just like if you probably if you've seen Sailor Moon you probably have seen like all the episodes so far you know basically what's going on I watched like four of them, but then I kind of fell off a little bit. So I'm like two episodes behind or something like that. Some weird stuff in this show, though. Like, I really like the the ideas that Sailor Moon gives out towards towards women in general, like making it very female empowered and all that sorts of stuff. But then having Tuxedo Mask like kiss an unconscious Sailor Moon is totally f***ed up and not okay. Like, and it happens twice in this f***ing show. Like, what is... Why would you do that? 
especially in a show that's like it's a very it's a very like it's almost it's basically a feminist show and you're gonna have random scenes like that in it it just it seems totally counterproductive and contradictory 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 towards the message you're trying to show and i don't know i just i felt really disgusted by that and i'm like i totally want to keep watching this after that well, maybe that's why i kind of stopped so yeah not really much you can say about that for now it's only six episodes in it's going to be ongoing basically throughout fall and I don't know, maybe throughout the, like the entire next year because it's only it goes every two weeks and i think it's a 25 episode run so that could be going up through up through the start of summer next year so so up next we're going to go back to chris for our final segment with him in which we're going to talk about the very controversial sword art online 2 save your hate mail for after the segment please and we're back with chris for his final segment of the show in which we are going to talk about one of the most controversial shows you could probably talk about in recent anime sword mm-hmm. art online and the the basically the new show sword Art online 2 Yes, yes. First off, let me, let me start by saying you reminded me that you do bleep out uh, curse words, so... Um, your mother farts turds. Bleep. Don't bleep this part out, because I'm not cussing. You can't bleep me out right here. Okay, thank you. I mean, I can just cut all that out, so... Oh, you son of a... Okay, I mean, I didn't mean to cuss there. Okay, hold on. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> all right, well... Tell me about Sword Art Online and your adventures with it, because you recently got, like, super enamored with this show. Yeah, so I don't even know what what had me stumble upon this. I think it was the fact that I was searching for a new anime on Hulu, and when I was reading the description of this, it mentioned something about virtual reality, and I was like, ooh, fuck it, I might as well, because I'm starting to really dig the idea of virtual reality. Yeah, if you've listened to any of our Mark Out When It's Dark Out podcast, you will hear Chris Ross... <sighs> Like crone on and on about the wonders of virtual reality. Yes. Cheap plug. Yes. Cheap, cheap plug. Yeah. So I tried it out, and that first episode just sucks you right in. And I understand a lot of people hate Sword Art Online. I mean, God, I've been. You go anywhere on the internet about Sword Art Online, and it's hate, hate, hate. But I just, I got lost in that world. I love it. I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure on like all the hate about it just because I haven't really paid much attention to it. Right. But it seems a, like a, a good amount of it is basically from people who like to declare that this is like the best anime of like all time when clearly it probably isn't. And that's just a bunch, right. bunch of like hyperbole and conjecture. But yeah, a lot of people are just like saying this is the greatest thing ever created. I'm obsessed with it and I hope it never stops. Like I just love this world that they created here, but I don't think you could put it as the greatest anime. That, that you can't you can't put hardly anything that comes out these days as the greatest. But it is great. And I know a lot of other people when they're bashing on it, they think it's just like, well, they're just trying to be like dot hack or something like that and uh, basically saying that they copied them. Which, which granted that, dot hack came out in 2002. Right. When this came out in what like probably like 2010 originally. 20. Yeah, I think 2010, 29, or 29. <laughs> yeah, 09. 29. 09. So, I mean, even, even with that, though, like, the idea of going into a virtual game world and all that stuff, that's, it's not a very original idea to begin with. Right. 
and, and so I can understand if people were like big dot hack fans, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that side with one thing, Coke, Pepsi, you know what I mean? So I understand that, whatever. And, and like, it's, it's, this is kind of like the same argument that people had, I guess, like last year when Attack on Titan got really huge and people were like, this is the greatest anime ever. And it's like, you look at that season, that's definitely not the greatest anime ever because that, that anime has a lot of pacing issues and stuff and don't even get me started on the manga right now. But but yeah. Right, yeah. And that's a, that's a perfect example. Attack on Titan was freaking awesome or freaking awesome, but you can't call it the best. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't put you can't put Sword Art Online up with even little and like even like old and like Dragon Ball Z, way better than Sword Art Online, way better. And that show has a ton of filler in it. Right, way better. So I don't know, but I mean, what all do you want me to talk about here with it? I mean, it's just it's great. You go into a virtual world, and basically when it starts out, you have the main character, virtual world. He he's a bad player in it he actually got to do the beta testing for it and then once it's released to the public like i think it was like ten thousand people get stuck in it there's no log offs like you can't log out of it and if you do try to get out of it you're gonna die unless you beat the game that's essentially like wrap it all up that actually kind of does feel like one of the plot points of one of the dot hack games not gonna lie (laughs) Uh, okay yeah yeah so which i think like the first game is like there's someone going around like in the game itself, like killing people off. Okay, that's okay because that that's in Sword Art Online too going on right now, actually. Well, <laughs> but but here's the thing: it, it's it, well, hold on. Okay, so Sword Art Online one. So basically, he's in there. You have to go up to like a level 100, like floor 100, and once you beat it, then you'll be able to log out. The creator of the game ends up like being in the game too and you don't think it's him or whatever maybe you do whatever but the main character eventually beats him kind of he like dies too almost i don't know it's really weird that part confused me they get out of the game and that leads into oh god what's it called they're all fairies in this next one i can't think of what the world the story arc is for the next one for the second half of the season but they have wings so that's cool they're like fairies. It's like all these different fairy ra- races, and their goals to like get to the top of a tree, but the creator of that game won't allow that to happen. And the main character's main squeeze is locked in that tree, so he has to go get her. I don't know. That's basically a summary of that. A sh- summary of that. So is it like a different game from the 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 first one you were describing? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So so the the guy. God, how do I put this? <sighs> Yes, okay. So the guy that created the first game put himself into that game, died, and gave the main character like this little seed, right? This little thing. And what it eventually became was like an a, ability to create all of these universes and all these worlds, right? So this next one is just th- a different world. And a guy from Sword Art Online created this world, and is trying to take the main character's girlfriend, essentially. How dare he? Yeah. So, of course, Hero wins and prevails. And this is the first time we see the main character kill somebody or almost kill somebody outside of the virtual world. And then that goes into season two. So tell me about season two, because this, this is a show about current anime, I mean. Yeah, Gun Gale Online. Now this is this is not like ra- it didn't wrap up with like the twelfth or thirteenth episode. Excuse me, it's, it's going to go on to like fall season, right? Correct. 
correct. At least I okay. believe that, that's what's going on. Because they have, I mean, if you go by the novels, they have, I don't know, like quite a few more to go, I believe. Well, that doesn't mean they're all going to get converted, though, so. Yes, they are. And so, Gun Gale Online, the, it's the third story arc, and it's a virtual game with its main focus on, like, not, I thought it was going to be, like, Call of Duty style, but thank God it's not. It's just this, like, apocalyptic-looking world, and you can use guns and melee weapons. Go figure, because there's a lightsaber-looking thing called a photon sword. So you thought originally it was just going to be a first-person shooter filled with misogynistic, sexist douchebags? Yes. Okay. But it wasn't. Praise the Lord. It, um, it's actually really cool. This is probably... I really enjoyed Sword Art Online because that's the kind of game I'd want to play, you know, in like a virtual world. But the Gun Gale Online story has been awesome. There was a lot of fan service, which I don't care for. Shocking. Right. But... Fan service always... in my Japanese anime? Who does right. thunk it? Right. But I'm one of those people, I can just look past it. I don't care. I mean, it's going to be there. I know it's going to be there. Whatever. As long as it's still a good story to me, I'm fine. I can look past it. I have to check my Twitter every now and then anyways. So basically what's going on in this world is there's this... Uh, well, what's his name? Oh my god, I can't remember his name right now. Well, anyways, he basic this one guy has a phantom... like It has like a death bullet thing that can like kill people in the game, right? So... They have to try to solve this mystery, and Kirito goes into this game to figure out who it is, because you can't have people killing people in virtual reality games anymore, we thought. Dun, 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 you know what I mean? So, yeah, do you want me to spoil that? I mean, you can spoil anything that's been shown like oh, okay. in the show so far. Oh, okay, cool. So it ends up this, this death guy with his death gun actually isn't killing people in the game. What's happening is he and his accomplice are from sword art online and they were in the laughing coffin group, which are red players and red players are the ones that actually kill people. So while he's in the game on gun Gale online shooting people, it's like he has it to where he knows who he's going to go shoot. That way, his guy outside of the virtual world will go to that person's house while they're hooked up to the machine and inject them with, with something to kill them. Could you say they get injected with a lethal dose of poison? Yeah, with a lethal dose of poison. There's a reference like no one else is going to get. Probably not, probably not, but... but. NWO for life. So uh, where we're left off last episode was they leave the virtual world and this the main the new main character kind of she gets attacked by somebody we thought was her friend. But I knew it. I knew it from the from the opening credit scene. You know the little video they always have at the beginning, the opening sequence. It was very obvious that he was the bad guy. Anyways, he's the bad guy. He's trying to kill her, and then the hero comes to save the day. Openings end up spoiling things a lot more than they should. Yeah. No, it's very true. It's like... I'm trying to think how the sequence goes. So basically, it shows that character as a normal guy, and then, like, flames shoot up, and then it shows the main bad guy of this series. So you're like, Not oh, obvious okay. at all or anything. Yeah. yeah, it shows his virtual character. It's like, oh, didn't see that coming. Really cool, though. Really good show. Wish people wouldn't bash it so much, but... What can you do? 
Yeah. But uh, I'm glad people did because now once this show's over and, you know, you have to wait a while for the next season, I'm going to check out the dot hack stuff and see how great that is. I mean, there's like six or seven PS2 games you can look at. There we go. All right. So uh, I guess you'll just have to join us for the next seasonal anime checkup when you describe the second half of Sword Art Online 2. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, the next time I do come back on, I'll actually have like I'll have notes and stuff because I know I probably said a lot of ums and I did not describe the way I should and the way I'd like to. This was all just I mean, it, so I'm sorry for that. I actually had a script for this. Oh, you did. I was very professional. This is the only very- time. This is the only time I've ever been this professional on a podcast. Uh, hey, it's okay. I used to do that with our other show, but I, I really <laughs> want. I really wanted to with this. I just I completely spaced it, and then at work today I had no time to get on the internet. That's fine. You did. That, you so. did a good job. So. Oh, don't, don't. No, I didn't. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. That, that's that's very weird. Well, thank you for joining us here for a couple segments on the seasonal anime checkup, and then oh, yeah. anytime, man. We will go back to the rest of the podcast where I think I'm going to talk about a couple more shows and then we will preview the fall 2014 anime season and we're back. So if you want to send hate mail, you can do it now as someone who still has not watched uh sort of online. I can not really say for sure for certain one way or another, if people really or why people really hate that show or not, but people have mixed opinions about that show, especially, but I think it's more, from what I've seen, like people being like, just thinking like that's the best show they've ever seen and blah blah blah. But uh, who knows? Up next, we're gonna go to Haley and her final segment of the day, where we're gonna talk about Tokyo Ghoul, which I was saying Tokyo Ghoul like for twice there. So you missed out on all that stuff. So here's what she had to say about that on a show that I did not watch, but kind of wished I did at times, but I just never really got around to it. And marathoning 12 episodes is not an easy thing when you're in school so let's hear what she had to say tokyo ghoul was another one that i dropped after those ridiculous episodes with the effeminate purple-haired bro who wanted to snack on kaneki's face after hearing about the manga's ending i don't think i'll ever pick it back up so not really a lot to say about that i guess some weird choices in that show maybe not going with the way the manga ended or maybe it does or something i don't know it seemed like an interesting premise, at least from what I've seen on Tumblr, but I don't know. Probably one of the shows I'll have to like at least look at and be like and watch it to see why why especially she says that or why it seemed like an interesting premise in general. So maybe I'll put that on the backlog for, you know, sometime in the near future, but for now it's just gonna be I've got no opinion on it because I didn't see it. And finally, the last show we're gonna talk about from summer anime 2014 probably one of the big hitters from this last season zankyo no terror aka terror and resonance holy this was a fantastic show combining is basically a modern version of a crime drama in an anime form where you have these two terrorists who are part of this group sphinx and they're basically bombing tokyo and you have you basically Throughout the entire show, you learn why they're doing it, like who these guys are, and yeah, like why they're doing what they're doing. It's like what I said the first time. (laughs) 
And along the way, you meet other characters like Lisa, who's like a runaway from home. She meets up with these guys like the very beginning and and inadvertently becomes an accomplice with them. And then she kind of just goes off and joins them. You meet another, you meet the antagonist who turns out to be not the terrorists who are nine and 12, by the way, you meet five who is a part of this weird group of orphans that the government or something kind of like just took up and did weird stuff with them. She's called five and she's like with the American government in a sense. So in a show about terrorists, the American government becomes the antagonist in this show, which it seems really ridiculous, but almost in a way it's like, yeah, I could, I can totally see that kind of makes sense. And then of course you have basically the main protagonist, which in a sense is almost uh, nine and 12 which you really wouldn't think, like, these guys are the terrorists. How could they be the protagonists? But Detective uh, Shiabaziki, Shiabaziki, I'm going to probably, I horribly butchered that pronunciation, by the way, probably. But he basically is the one who kind of figures out what Sphinx is doing, for the most part, in the first couple of bombings, and then basically works his way out of the archives, essentially, where he got and got demoted for stuff that happened in his past to basically becoming back to a detective and inadvertently figure out who these guys are, what their motivations are and, you know, tries to save them at the end. But the way the show was basically going to go, you had to know not everyone was going to survive. And that is totally the case at the end of the show. Not everyone survives, but it's still, it's still a fantastic show. You should definitely check it out. Basically top three of, Hey, shows you should watch this season. Probably is. I'm gonna go back through here. Yeah, totally. If you're gonna if you're gonna watch three shows from Summer Anime 2014, Kekon Shoujo no kun Haikyuu, Zankyo no Terror. Throw in the script. We're done with it. So that's it for Summer Anime 2014. And now let's take a look ahead towards Fall 2014, which I believe is kind of already started, as there's some shows that have already gone live. At least at least one of them has. So. Uh, we're going to take a live look at this. This is basically the first time I've even taken a look at any of this because I've kind of just been holding off until we do this uh, podcast. But let's, uh, let's talk about what's happening in fall 2014. I'm going to give you the name, genre, production company, a synopsis, and yeah, basically when it starts as well. So some of these are kind of like weird offshoots that I don't know if they could count because like it's a 26 episode order, but it's like five minutes, five minute episode. So probably skip those, especially since I guess some of these look like kids shows too. So starting off here, this started airing Saturday, September 27th. That's not, if I say Saturday, that's not going to mean jack shit. If you're watching this, like, or not watching this, but listening to this three months from now, but Terraformers, it is a action horror sci-fi whatever that word is from Leiden Films here is the synopsis with the space program attempting to travel to Mars 21st century scientists were tasked with warming up to the planet so that humans could survive on the surface they came up with an efficient cost effective plan of sending cockroaches in mold to the surface so that the mold would absorb the sunlight and the insect courses would serve as a food source for the mold this sounds gross already <laughs> it is now the year 2577 and the first manned ship to mars has landed on the planet and the six crew members are ready for their mission but what they find are giant mutated humanoid cockroaches with incredible physical strength the crew members are easily wiped out but not before sending a transmission back to earth 
Now, humanity will send back send elite warriors to exterminate the mutated bugs and claim back Mars. You know, I was I, before I read this, I thought, hey, maybe this is gonna be a fun show. Now it's got giant bugs, and I'm like, nope. Oh man, I'm telling you, giant bugs, and it's like, I'm done. I'm out. So let's see what's up next. Denkai Gai no Hanya-san. This is a comedy from Shinai Animation. This starts October 2nd. The is uh, based off a of manga, by the way. Should uh, note that. What some of the stuff's going to be. Basically, what some of the stuff's going to be based off of. The youthful bookstore comedy. Should it be this? or I don't know. The youthful bookstore comedy revolves around the folks who work in a manga shop deep in a certain electric town neighborhood. Denkai Gai, or Electric Town, is a popular name for shopping areas that specialize or used to specialize in electric electric and electronic items like Tokyo's Akihabara. The protagonist, Umio, works part-time at Books Umanohone, <laughs> along with his senior at work, but not in age, Hyotan. Had to take a second there and just like look at my screen, make sure that was right. As many dedicated manga fans visit the store, there's always something going on. That might that actually seems kind of interesting. I might check that out. Next up, uh, we have Gundam G No Reconquista. This is obviously it's a Gundam show. You should know what a Gundam show is. From Sunrise, it's an original show. Some time has passed since the end of the Universal Century, a, histor a history marked by space colonization and space warfare. Humanity's prosperity, which ushered in a new a new era known as Regild Century, was believed to endure alongside the global peace. It is the year RC 1014. The Capitol Tower is an orbital elevator that rose above the Earth's surface and linked Earth and space. As the conduit of the photon battery energy source to the surface, it is regarded as sacred. Oh man, this is a weird... I gotta like zoom in on these since I can barely read. Alright. There we go. Buri Zenamu is in the middle of training for the Capital Guard, established to protect the Capital Tower. While the tower is attacked by G. Surafu, a highly maneuverable mobile, mobile suit with technology that is not from any known country. Buri, that's a weird name, who joins the battle in the maintenance mobile suit Rakuten, successfully captures the G. Serifu. However, Buri feels something for the space pirate girl named Aida. Oh, Aida Rehantan, who piloted the G Seraphu. It is the same feeling he has for G Seraphu, even though he's supposedly never seen it before. The G Seraphu, which should be only operable under specific conditions, is somehow started up by Buri. The objective of Aida and the space pirates who attacked the Capitol Tower and the fate followed by Buri, who was chosen by G Seraphu, will lead to a truce that will shake the entire Regild, Regild Century era. Definitely. Definitely. A Gundam show. I might check that out because I've been, I've been missing seeing some Gundam. So there's another show on here. It's like five minutes, but we'll kind of scoop over that. Uh, up next, we have Amagi Brilliant Park, which is a comedy drama, harem, romance, school from the fine folks at Kyoto Animation, based off of a light novel. The slapstick drama begins with Seiya Kane, a high school boy who is invited on a date in an amusement park by a mysterious, beautiful transfer student named Isuzu Sento. He is introduced to Ratifa, a real princess, and the park's manager, and is asked to be the acting manager of this disappointing amusement park in the Tokyo suburbs. I'll probably watch that because it's Kyoto Animation, and they, they make fine stuff. Let's see. Next, Garu. Hanu no Kokin. Action, Demons, Supernatural. From MAPPA. 
Mappa, 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 Mappa. It is an original. The story of the anime begins with the king's advisor launches, or when the king's advisor launches a witch hunt, which endangers the Makai knights and Makai priests who are supposed to protect people. A Makai priest who has been condemned to die at the stake who gives birth to a child, Leon Lewis. That's <laughs> all right. That's a very easy name to pronounce. The child is rescued by his father, a Makai knight, but never meets his mother. When he grows up, he inherits the gold armor as a descendant of the gold knights. Meanwhile, the king's advisor has taken over the country as the king has become ill, and Prince Alfonso has been driven out with his mother. He comes seeking out the legendary gold knight in hopes of retaking his kingdom. Probably not going to watch that. Danton ni Wawaru. Oh man, I horribly probably butchered that. This is action historical shoujo from Dogakobo, based off a of manga. In the 11th year of the Meiji era, carrying swords was forbidden by the government, and those known as samurai were slowly fading away. However, there were plenty who didn't like these cha those changes taking place in Japan, and inevitably the crime rates increased. The country's only solution was an escapable lake prison. Since the prison had no other way to access it except by water, the three boys of the Kumo family were assigned to transport the criminals to their new home. Although, is that the only thing they were doing? That sounds kind of interesting. Log Horizon Second Season. Action, fantasy, game, magic, romance, shonen, from Studio Dean, based off a light novel, and the second season of The Log Horizon, if you couldn't have figured that one out already. Veteran gamer Shiro and other players have been trapped in the world of the online game Elder Tales for six months. The once chaotic city of Akiba has regained its everyday hustle and bustle following the formation of the self-governing organization Roundtable Meeting. The Earthlings, who were originally from the game world, have gained the trust of Shiro by waging a defensive war against the goblins in Zantilif region. This has led Princess Rainishia of the Cohen family, the highest-ranking Earthling aristocrats, to live in Akiba. It's almost winter, and the adventurers are thinking about what they're going to do and what their goals are in this world are in this other world. Will they remain in Akiba or go to the city of the West, or will they travel to the land of the North or another faraway country? The opinions of the adventurers begin to diverge. What adventures await the members of the Shiro team in the second series of Log Horizon? Huh, that was a that was a mouthful. Magic Kaito 1412, adventure comedy romance shonen from A1 Pictures, based off a of manga. Kaito Kirobo, a normal teenager student, normal teenage student whose father is often absent. When his father dies under mysterious circumstances, he is made aware of his father's secret identity. A famous international criminal known as International Criminal 1412, the Phantom Thief. Thief, not Phantom Thief. And that he was murdered by a mysterious organization for refusing to aid them in retrieving the Pandora Gem, a mystical stone that's said to shed a tear during the passing of a particular comet, often called the Valley Comet, the consumption of which bestows immortality. He vows to prevent the organization from gaining immortality and assures, assumes his, father identi his father's identity as he begins his quest for the gem. His only clues as to the gem's location are that it glows red under the full moon and that it is a doublet, a gem hidden within a larger gem. Thus, it would have to be a relatively large one with a bizarre history and always stored in a place that never receives moonlight. He thus researches and steals famous priceless gems with odd histories from incredibly well-defended areas and always returns them after the very next full moon. Very, very tech-savvy uh, synopsis there. I don't know, I'm, not, I'm gonna butcher this first word here. Modern Maiden, or modern, let's go with modern. Modern no u to vanadis from Satellite. Based off a light novel is adventure, etchy, fancy, harem, romance, sign, sign, I don't know. In times of war set in Western Europe, Eleonora Vilcaria, one of the seven vanadis of Jixted, 
leads the war into Brune. There are actually seven Vanities named like this because they each received a powerful weapon from the dragon to reign over seven territories, each possessing their own. The power of the Vanities causes dread and fear toward the enemy. An earl in the service of the country of Brune, a young archer called Tigre, Tigre, got a taste of it after he was defeated on the battlefield by Ellen, Eleonora. However, Ellen decided to spare his life after seeing his skills. In exchange, he's asked to serve Ellen. Well, all right. <laughs> oh boy, this is a, this is gonna be his. Ushinawa Wawata Mire wo Motomete from Feel. This is Romance School Supernatural, based off a visual novel. Uchihama Gakuen has seen an increase in enrollment in recent years, and as a result, a new school building will be constructed. The story takes place during the final school festival in the old school. All the club leaders decide to give it their all to make this the best school festival. So is a member of the notorious astronomy club, which basically solves the various issues in the student council's place. On one day, he stays in the school late at evening because he got slightly injured by the judo club and is healing his wounds in the infirmary. Suddenly, the building shakes. Shocked, he runs up the stairs to where the shaking seems to have centered, and there he encounters a mysterious naked girl, whom at first appears to know him. On the next day, this girl, Yui, sings out, seeks out the astronomy club, expressing her desire to join. That seems uh, like something. Cross Ongei, Tenshi to Ryu no Rondo from Sunrise is action mega sci-fi. It is an original. Do human let me re let me retry that. <laughs> Due to humanity observing the data technology that has evolved to a great amount called mana, the human race is able to subjugate all wars, starvation, pollution, and other problems on Earth by using its power, which is similar to magic. Earth has attained the utopia of complete peace and no wants. First princess of the Misurugi Empire, Angeles, as with everyone else, she also had no wants or worries. She was celebrated by the people of the Empire and was supposed to wear the crown. However, she realizes the shocking truth that she is Norma. Norma, an irregular existence that cannot use mana and are treated as heretics and as things rather than people. Having everything stolen from her, she isolates herself on a remote island. What was meeting, what was waiting for her there was a faithful meeting with a group of Norma girls who knew nothing but battle. The girls spend their days riding humanoid w robot weapons called Barameru, hunting giant dragons that have come from another dimension to invade. Having her name taken from her, what will soldier Angi see at the end of the fight? What can she believe in? What will she obtain? The story of a single girl's fortitude starts now. World Trigger is an action school sci-fi shown in space supernatural from Toei Animation based off a of manga. A gate to another dimension has burst open and from it emerge gigantic invincible creatures that threaten all of humanity. Earth's only defense is a mysterious group of warriors who have co-opted the alien technology in order to fight back. That might be interesting. Who knows? Oh, a lot of reading. Nanatsu no Taizai is an action-adventure fantasy shown in Supernatural from A1 Pictures, also based off a of manga. When they were accused of trying to overthrow the monarchy, the feared warriors, the Seven Deadly Sins, were sent into exile. Princess Elizabeth discovers the truth. The Sins were framed by the Kingsguard, the Holy Knights, too late to prevent them from assassinating her father and seizing the throne. Now the princess is on the run, seeking the Sins to help her reclaim the kingdom. But the first Sins she meets, Meliodas, is a little innkeeper with a talking pig. He doesn't even have a real sword. Have the Legends of the Sin's strength been exaggerated? Next up, we have Grisaya no Kaijutsu from 8-Bit. It is a visual novel and it is a drama psychological romance school. 
<laughs> that would be a really weird description for a school. The story is set in an academy that is a cloistered orchid for girls to be educated and cultivated away from external influences. Five girls spend their lives within these walls in reputance and atonement. Yuji Kazame has just enrolled as a sole male student there. Okamai Shoujo to Kuro Oji, comedy school shoujo from TYO Animations based off of manga. I haven't been saying like when these date these debut by the way, but you just figure out they're going in order. Like this is for this is for October fifth, so it's not like this has gone jumped super far. The story centers around Erika Shinohara, a vain sixteen-year-old girl who tells her friends about her romantic exploits, but she actually has no boyfriend. She claims that a handsome boy in a candid photo photo is her boyfriend, but it turns out that boy is a schoolmate named Kiowa Sata. She has no choice but to make him her fake boyfriend. Unfortunately, Sada may look like a sweet person, but he is actually an ultra-black-hearted sadist. Sawa takes advantage of Erika's weakness and treats her like his dog. Well, thought that was going to be an interesting show, but then it turned kind of shitty. Sora No Method is a fantasy show from 3HZ. It is an original series. The story begins one winter day when the wish of a few girls was realized with a miracle changing the landscape of a town. In the skies above this town, a disc is always there. That, that's it. Gugir, Guguri, no, I don't know how to say that. Kokurei-san, comedy romance shown in Supernatural from TMS Entertainment, based off a four-coma ma manga. The story revolves around a little girl named Kohina. Kohina ends up summoning a Kokurei-san, a low-ranking ghost in Japanese folklore. The Kokurei-san she calls turns out to be a white-haired, handsome young man. At first, he had intended to merely haunt her, but soon he becomes worried about her terrible eating habit of cup ramen for every meal. He later decides to haunt her in order to protect her. She just sounds like a, a college kid. All these are like five-second animes, five-minute animes. Uh, there's a second season of Yoamushi Pedal. This is the bike, the bicycling anime. That's all I know before. Ino Battle wa Nichijo ke no Nakade. Comedy fantasy romance shonen supernatural from Trigger starting October 7th. Based off a light novel. In the original novel series of story, the five members of the literature club awakened with extraordinary powers half a year ago. Although the members expected to be thrown into a world of superpowered battles at their school, their normal daily routines continued. No secret organizations been on world destruction, no superpowered wars, no braves or demon kings. However, the members still look forward to the possibilities of the adventure and continue to believe that with every day, they were getting e even closer to those days of fantasy. Their days of romantic comedy and battles with extraordinary powers begin. Actually, sounds kind of interesting. Akatsuki no Yona, action comedy fantasy romance shoujo from Studio Pero. Sure, we'll go with that. Starting October 7th, it's a manga. Yona is the sole princess of the kingdom, living in the luxurious and carefree life as a princess should. She has it all the finest clothes and cosmetics, the most divine sweets, a loving emperor as a father, and the hottest cousin crush, Suwon. Anyone could ever hope to have. Now, if only her bodyguard, Sonhack. Sonhack? Sure, we'll go with that. Wasn't so annoying to her, and her hair wasn't so red. But her nearly perfect world quickly shut. Let's try it again. But her nearly perfect world quickly shatters as the man she loves, Suwon, murders her father, and the path to his ascension to the throne is assured. Sunak escapes with Yona, and they lead a life on the run from that point on. I feel like that's been the plot of like three other animes we've talked about. Trinity Seven, Seven Nin No Masho Sukai. Fancy hair and magic romance school shown in Supernatural. That's a lot of descriptors. From Seven Arcs, starting October 8th, based off a of manga. In this romantic comedy but sometimes serious magical school story, life as Arata Kasuga 
knows it is wiped out by a bizarre incident known as Collapse Phenomenon, which causes worldwide destruction and takes his cousin, Hijiri Kasuga, to the next world. To resolve the Collapse Phenomenon and bring back Hijiri, Arita enrolls in the Royal Bibula Academy. <laughs> wow. Waiting in the school are seven beautiful female magic users, the Trinity Seven. All right. Gundam Build Fighters Tribe. I believe this is the second season of Gundam Build Fighters. From Sunrise on October 8th, and it's an original series. The story takes place seven years after Sei Iori and Reijie won the seventh gun Gunplay Battle World Tournament. Since then, the, world the rules of gunplay have been renewed, and the popularity of the sport becomes even more popular. However, one academy is left behind in this change, and that one that was Seiho Academy, which Sei Iori once uh, attended. Losing my words. The only member of the Gunplay Battle Club remaining is Fumina Hoshino and her alone. And her alone. In the state the club is in, she is not even able to participate in the preliminaries for Japan's National Gunplay Tournament. In front of her, a single transfer student named Sekai Kamiki appears, a boy who has been training with his master in martial arts. Along with him and the young gunplay builder Yuma Yusaka, Fumina forms a new team. Alright, trying to see how many more we have left and still quite a bit. Daito Shoken no Hitsujikai from Hoods Entertainment is a romance school show starting October 9th from a visual novel. The story is set in Shiomi Academy, a vast prestigious academy with a Daito Shoken, literally Great Library, that rivals Japan's National Library. As a member of the library club, Kiyotaro Kakae goes to Daito Shoken to enjoy reading by himself. He then meets a second year girl named Su. Sugumi Shirasake, or Shirasaki, through the efforts of a so-called shepherd who fulfills people's wishes. Eventually, more girls join the club thanks to the shepherd. Kiseiju Sei no Kakaritsu. Did I already read this? No. Okay. Action drama horror psychological sci-fi from Madhouse on October 9th, based off of manga. The story is set in a world where alien beings called parasites come to Earth. They start taking over humans by entering in through their noses and ears and attaching themselves to their brains. One alien called Migi is only able to take over high school student Shinchi Izumi's right arm and is unable to control Shinchi completely. Migi and Shinchi learn to coexist and the two battle of the parasites who see humans only as food. Alright. Shirabako. That's an easy, easy name. It's a comedy from PA Works starting October 9th and is original. Five girls chase their dreams. The story revolves around the everyday troubles and hardships that occur when working in the anime industry and the results and conflicts that happen day to day among the group of girls. Here is probably the big hitter for me this this fall season. Psychopath Season 2, which is an action police sci-fi thriller from Tatsunoko starting October 10th and is an original. The series takes place in the near future when it is possible to instantaneously measure and quantify a person's state of mind and personality. This information is recorded and processed, and the term psychopath refers to a standard used to measure an individual's being. The story centers around the enforcement officer Shinya Kogami, who is wait, is this, I think that's just a, that's just like a synopsis of the first season, so we can't really use that. Either way, uh, very hyped for that. Shikatsu wa Kimi no Uso, drama, music, romance, school, shounen, from A1 Pictures, based off of manga. Piano prodigy Arima Kosei dominated the competition and all child musicians know his name. But after his mother, who is also his instructor, passed away, he had a mental breakdown while performing at a recital that resulted in him no longer being able to hear the sound of his piano, even though his hearing was perfectly fine. 
Even two years later, Kosei has touched the piano, hasn't touched the piano and views the world in monotone and without any flair or color. He was content at living out his life with his good friends Tsubaki and Watari until one day a girl changed everything. Miyazono Kairi is a pretty free-spirited violinist whose playing style reflects her personality. Kairi helps Kosei return to the music world and show that it should be free and mold-breaking unlike the structured and rigid style Kosei was used to. Alright, we're getting very close to the end here, so... About to wrap up. Ore Twintails ni Narimasu. Action, comedy, fantasy, mecha. Romance, school, slice the life from production IMS starting October 10th based off a light novel. Mitsuki Soji is a first-year high school student who greatly loves the Twintails hairstyle. One day, a beautiful girl, Theory, that's, okay, sure, <laughs> who comes from another world suddenly appeared in front of him and gave him the power to transform into the Twintails warrior Tail Red. Now Soji, with the help of his childhood friend, Subi Aikai, Aike, I, yeah, whatever, <laughs> who can become the Twintails warrior Tail Blue, must fight in order to protect the peace of on Earth. Sanzuko no Musume Ranja, adventure fantasy from Polygon Pictures and Studio Ghibli, Oh, huh, okay, sure. Starts October 11th and is based on a children's book. The story revolves around Ronia, the other daughter of Mattis, the chief of a tribe of bandits who live in a large castle in a forest. Ronia studies the ways of the mysterious creatures who live in the forest. And that's it. And then... Let's see. Yuki Yuna wa Yusha de Arao. Slice of Life from Studio Gokumi. Starts October 17th and is an original series. The story takes place in the era of the gods, year 300. Yuna Yuki lives in an ordinary life as a second-year middle school student, but she's also a member of the Hero Club, where club activities involve dealing with a mysterious being called Vertex. And then there's a second season of Mushishi Zoko Show. That's basically all it says. So, there you go. And there's some OVA stuff coming out as well, which we're kind of going along here, so I'll just kind of skim over that. But there's your look at Fall 2014, and... Basically, some of the stuff we'll be talking about next time we reconvene for the fourth episode. Yeah, fourth episode of the seasonal anime checkup. So, I want to thank my special guests, Haley and Chris, for providing their views of Summer Anime 2014. I'd like to thank you for listening because you're awesome, and hopefully, you get some get some sort of insight from this. I can only hope. And yeah, that's gonna do it for the third episode of the seasonal anime checkup. Here's where I'm, I'm going to plug our guests from the show today. Uh, if you want to go follow Haley, she is shorty-cake.tumblr.com. If you want to go follow Chris, he is tcchrisross.tumblr.com. Or you can visit his website at astartbeselect.com. If you want to follow me, I am jaredclemens.tumblr.com, at ragback on Twitter. And if you want to follow our podcast, go listen to some of the other ones. Listen to previous episodes of the Seasonal Anime Checkup. You can find us on iTunes. Go search in the store, search Mark Out Dark Out, and that'll get you right where you need to be, and you can subscribe or download any episode you want. Or if you want to go listen to any episode, past episode, or any different podcast that we run on the web, you can go to soundcloud.com slash markoutdarkout, and that'll take you right to the SoundCloud page that we have, and you know it'll give you every single podcast that we've done so far. And I will see you at the end of the fall season where we'll look at we'll look back at fall and look forward to winter 2014/2015. I'll see you next quarter.